You're listening to US Gamer, and you've discovered the Axe of the Blood God. <laughs> And welcome to Acts of the Blood God, U.S. Gamers RPG podcast. I am not Cat Bailey. I'm sure that you can tell by my voice that I am not Cat Bailey. I am filling in for Cat while she is on vacation. My name is Anthony John Agnello, and uh, I am from VentureBeat.com, where I write about video games. I am also from the Continue podcast, which is about video games. And the person who is anchoring this entire endeavor, because she's supposed to be here, is none other than Nadia Oxford. Hi, everyone. Actually, Anthony's lying. He ate cat. He (laughs) distributed the bones. I can't find them. Help. I wanted to gain all of her FIFA powers through (laughs) osmosis. (laughs) That's the only way you're going to gain them is if you eat her. Uh, this is this is a true story. Uh, regular regular uh, acts of the blood god listeners. Last week, I know that Cat was talking about how she just can't stop playing FIFA. Uh-huh. Like there are other things she should be playing, but FIFA keeps drawing her back. I love FIFA. Oh, I'm like a big fan, but I suck at it, uh-huh. and not in that way that like people who play sports games are like, I'm not good. I can't hang online. Right. A few years ago. I had requested, I got it in my head that I was going to review every major soccer game. Oh, Jesus Christ. All right, Yeah, so, yeah. so I, I started pitching all these different publications. I was like, let me review all of the soccer games because I've never played them before and you'll have a review that's different. And so I was writing about FIFA 13 mm-hmm. for the AV Club, had never played it before, And I was like, I love this game. This is awesome. Now I get it. I totally get why people do this. And then I went to go play it online with other people. (laughs) And the first person I played, like at first, this is not somebody I was talking to. This is a stranger. And he clearly realized that I had no clue what I was doing. (laughs) And then it was like I was stuck in like a virtual gym class. Because he brought his goalie out of the goal, <laughs> took the ball away from me, and then just kept it away from me with Aww. his goalie for like twenty minutes. That, that's and I, like, I, yeah, that's a virtual version of like when you're the only kid in dodgeball and you're like yes. left and everyone's throwing the balls at you and you're like stop, stop, but they won't yeah. stop. I got I got the PlayStation Network equivalent of why you keep hitting yourself, yeah. why do you keep hitting yourself, <laughs> Nerd. why do you keep hitting yourself. It was uh, it was the darkness. It was the darkness. Uh, any anybody listening to this, actually, Nadia and I go way back. We do. Uh, we, we covered this in a previous episode of Axe the Blood Guy recently. But Nadia and I uh, wrote about games together way, way back in the day for a site called Sixty One Frames Per Second. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was us just kind of. Gosh, I, I guess video game blogging still wasn't a major thing then, so we were just kind of like shooting the shit, for lack of a better term, about anything that was really interesting to us at the time. And yeah, yeah I, I had, we had some good writing up on there. It's unfortunately been obliterated, but... Yeah, it, uh, very little of it is accessible through the uh, the internet archive. But like, as Nadia said, it was kind of, we just sort of did whatever we wanted. I like to describe it as like a hippie commune version it was. It was of totally a video a game commune. website. Yeah. Uh, and uh, all we did was write... Pretty much, I, for every five articles, I would say five were about role-playing games. Pretty much, pretty much. Yeah. And um, 
gosh, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't it just kind of shut down because we got a new CEO who said games are stupid, and, and that was the end of that? <laughs> well, it got, sh- it got shut down because we got a new CEO who said games are stupid, and then immediately five months later tried to start writing about video games because a focus group was like, your readers are really interested in video games. I mean, we no also shit. got shut down because when when... We got shut down. The entire company had like a month of payroll left. <laughs> That'll do they're it like, too. Yeah, they're <laughs> like, we can't. I don't think we can pay for fifty-seven more articles about Odin Sphere oh. and Persona Three Fest. Damn. Like, I don't think we can keep rolling those dice. Uh, but here we are. We're we're talking about Persona Three Fest ten years after the fact. Yeah, long um, Persona Fest. Yeah, yeah. So this week, I, I, you guys are listening to this on Monday, May eighth, uh, but you're 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 coming in at the end of a week where there's sort of been a dearth of real exciting news stuff happening in the video game world. Mm. E three is looming over us all like a giant specter of okay. news. It's just, yeah, the the nightmare world of E three is ahead of us. But there have been a few things happening as we're recording this. Uh, we're a few days out from people discovering that Nintendo has delisted Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze from the Wii U eShop. And the, the world is, is terrified that this is just the first step of Nintendo trying to obliterate the Wii U eShop and library ahead of time. Why spend money continuing to host these things when there are is nobody playing on this console anymore and they're porting this stuff over mm-hmm. to the Switch. Mm-hmm. And Nadia, I wanted to ask you, did you play all of the RPGs that came out for the Wii U? Because the Wii U is one of the few consoles where it was possible to play yeah. everything. <laughs> I'm trying to think back on what I did play. Like, uh, I did play Xenoblade Chronicles X... Uh, what else came out for that portal system? Oh, okay. So there, there, there are, by my, by my accounting, there are four really, really big, awesome RPGs Mm -hmm. for, for the Wii U. There was Xenoblade Chronicles X. Right. Which I think was one of the most punishing, miserable experiences I've ever (laughs) had. I never finished it, to be honest with you. I never came close. I, I want, I want to ask the entire, like, staff at Monolith... Like, I realize that they must have playtested this, mm-hmm. but I, I want to ask them, like, did you guys ever notice that it was impossible to read anything in that UI? Yeah. In, unless you have robot eyes. Which I do not. I have the I opposite can't. of robot eyes. <laughs> Nobody has robot eyes. It's, it, that game, it's why I was dreading Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Mm-hmm. Because I, after X, I was like, "No, God, it's gonna be just busy work for a billion years. Please don't do this to me <laughs> until the end of time." So yeah, so there's X. Mm-hmm. There was Paper Mario Color Splash, right? Which was more of an action game, but it was still pretty good. I liked that game. Yeah, it, was, it was it was a step up from Sticker Star, yeah, definitely. which is a, a miserable Sticker Star is a job. You paid yeah. forty dollars for a 3DS part time job. Uh, (laughs) There is also uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions. I did not play that, but Mike says it's fantastic, and he's probably right. It's the best. Yeah. Uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions is... That's another one where it it would be hard to go back to if you've played Persona 5. Right. 
because all of the quality of life stuff that Persona 5 does of just sort of making it easy and fast to upgrade your character and take care of your inventory and get from side quest to side quest, you know, like it, that map system in Persona 5 is so intuitive. Right. And Tokyo Mirage Sessions is unfortunately in that old mm. Shin Megami Tensai mold where you just find yourself, you know, you have to go to the map and then it loads and then you have to go to this very, very small town space right. and it loads. But it's so, it's so pretty. The battle system kicks ass. It's, it's very, it is a very good mix of yeah, Fire yeah. Emblem That's and That's actually uh, Persona. one game I'm really, really hoping to see on the Switch get ported to the Switch. Yeah, and it, it seems like it would be crazy for it not to. Exactly. But but there's just, there's been no no Lord. inclination that it's going to. The fourth and final, you know, sort of big Wii U RPG is, it's not an exclusive, it's on everything, but Deus Ex uh, Human, Human Revolution. Oh, I did not play that, but my husband did. He actually went to preview it at uh, Montreal Eidos. It is, that is the best version mm-hmm. of Human Revolution as that far as I'm concerned. That is funny to hear. Yeah. I and I I am a big 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 fan of uh, the the Idos Montreal Deus Ex Human mm-hmm. Revolution. I like that game a lot. Mankind Divided, not so much. Right. Uh, but yeah, the Wii U version is great because it is. It's not as graphically intensive as mm-hmm. the PC version. Of course. But it it runs super smoothly. It right. loads very fast. And it's one of the few games where there's a bunch of tacked-on touchscreen stuff, and it's really good. Yeah. Like the, 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 the Wii U gamepad was actually used really well. That is one of those games, too, that, like, that's we're never going to see that version of that game again. That is yeah. locked that's on gone. Wii U forever. So long. And this is, this is a topic we're going to get to later in the show uh, about RPGs that vanish to time and become mm. inaccessible. But... That that Deus Ex uh, Human Revolution for Wii U, that's just going to get delisted, and that's it. Yeah, you're gonna no, you're right. You're going to have to go right. to eBay. No, and uh, that's a general problem, too, with game preservation. Uh, for digital games, it's non-existent. And also, uh, this is something I was talking about a couple weeks ago. I can't remember if it was on this podcast or the other U.S. Gamer podcast, but um, mobile games. There was, uh, back in the day, there were a lot of really good original, interesting mobile games, and I can't remember if it was Fortune or someone did a top 50 mobile games for 2000, I don't know, 2010, something like that. Someone went back and checked how many of those games are still there. Ten are left out of that yep. 50. Yeah. They're all gone. Oh, that's, uh, that's such a bummer. Edge Magazine, not that long ago, went back and they had a uh, top 100 games on iOS after right. the first year of wow. the App Store, which right. is also... We're celebrating the 10th anniversary of, of games being on the App Store. Oh, boy. Uh, and none of them are still there. Wow. Every, every single one of the games from their list is either delisted or non-functioning, which is, wow. ain't, ain't that just a peach? It really is. And, uh, God, even, like, the, the original ones, like, the ones that, that made that platform, like, um, like Air Traffic Controller or whatever it was called, where you just drew, your, your, drew a line to, to guide planes and not make them smash into each other unless you're, you're a psycho and you wanted to. That was such a good game, perfect for the platform, gone. I think EA ate up uh, Firemint, and that was the end of that. Oh, EA, why do you constantly... Why do you gotta do a thing, EA? Why, why you gotta destroy everything good? Uh... 
Daddy, did you ever finish a flip phone game? Like, did you ever like go? The, <laughs> like, did you play a flip phone game and spend more than five minutes with it? Do you mean like a, an actual flip phone game or a an actual, game? not a smartphone game, an actual flip phone game? Uh, God, the only flip phone game I played because I had like a shitty ass Nokia. I think I played like uh, Snake, and that was. <laughs> Thing I played, and it was it was okay for what it was. It <laughs> so was, it was Snake. What more do you want? I don't. I I can't. I still can't believe I did this. But Konami actually made a game called Castlevania Order of Shadows. Oh shit! This, really? This game. This game is no longer available. It had sprite work that looked very similar to Circle of the Moon. Right. For uh for GBA. But it was its own game, and it was primarily action, but it did have, like, some light leveling up stuff, just so that it felt like the Castlevania of the era. It sucked! Oh, like, it was just... I mean, it was it was a flip phone Castlevania game. Right. And I finished that shit. I went way, way to go. distance. When you, when I you did put it. it. When you put it that way, I'm thinking about it, and there was Final Fantasy IV, The After Years, was originally a flip phone game, That's and right. I finished that piece of shit. <laughs> I finished it, like, five times. I finished that stupid yeah. game so many times. I've admitted that to Kat. I can't remember which episode it was, but she basically illustrated the episode with that bell ringer from Game of Thrones saying, shame. <laughs> is is After Years... Is After Years worth playing? I never went the distance with that one. I played a little <sighs> bit of the Wii release, which is also now inaccessible and vanished from time. Uh, the but... way I put it is, if you're a huge nerd for Final Fantasy IV and you write fanfic about it like I do, yes... Otherwise, no. I kind of likened it to like you know, kind of hanging out with friends. It's nice, except those friends are like stabbing you in the in the arm every every ten minutes or so, and they spit in your beer once in a while. But you kind of like hanging out anyway. That's Final Fantasy IV After Years. What was with like the moon phase thing in the After Years? Like in After Years, you can only go to dungeons when the moon is half full or some nonsense. Well, no, I it was it, it was some it was some really dumb mechanic where the moon shifted in and out of phases, and in certain phases, like oh, like, physical attacks would be lesser and white magic would be better. And it wasn't a, a terrible idea, but it executed very badly. Uh, every time, it's not like not like a time thing. It's like you went to an inn and, like, you know, slept, and that would change the moon. And so you could just spam the, you know, spend 400 coin on, on an inn instead of 100 coin and get the face exactly where you wanted it. This just sounds awful. <laughs> It's, it's just... it is not a good game, although it is on Final <laughs> Fantasy IV Complete Collection for PSP, PS mm -hmm. Vita, which is a yeah. great, great collection. So if you want to hurt yourself and while playing, you know, a really good version of Final Fantasy IV, by all means, give it a try. Yeah. I, I, I like I, I always like a version of Final Fantasy IV where I feel like I'm punished for trying to enjoy myself. That's the, the DS. DS. The DS remake. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Screw you DS. for trying to play this person. Uh... So slightly related to to what we were just talking about with the Wii U being delisted, the other thing that has been going on was uh, the worst kept secret in Eidos Montreal history, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, was finally revealed mm -hmm. with a CG trailer. And this is by... We still don't know that much about it. For all intents and purposes, it looks like it's just going to be another of the... Uh, Lara Croft shoots a bunch of people. Yeah, uh, the, Nathan the Drake style. Genre. Yeah, the the uh, that started with the 2013 reboot. But what was interesting about this to me is that since Eidos Montreal is taking over development from uh, Crystal Dynamics, this means that Eidos Montreal is not 
working on a big role-playing game for the first time since the studio was opened. Wow, uh, yeah, Eidos Montreal was started with the express intent mm-hmm. of making new Deus Ex and new Thief games. Right. Both, like, just brand new, weird role-playing adventures. And now they're out of it. Do you think... You feel like we're losing something here, Nadia? Do you think it's? Do you think Mankind Divided killed that that studio as an RPG dev? Uh, I'm not sure because uh, Assassin's Creed uh, did really, really well, and mm. that game has a very long tail. Like, uh, I'm sure they're still going to be wind, wind up doing some more DLC for it. But uh, now that they're kind of spacing out the the Assassin's Creed releases, uh, yeah, I can see why they'd have a little more time to work on. Um, Tomb Raider, which isn't an RPG as far as I can well, no, that's you. That's Ubisoft Montreal. Ubisoft Montreal are the Assassin's Creed cats. What the hell did I say? Am I, am I drunk? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nadia, go home. You're drunk. <laughs> yeah, no. Eidos Montreal makes Deus Ex oh, and Thief. Okay. Eidos okay. Montreal are, are they, yeah. They okay, make, I was, they, okay, yeah, that is totally different. I, sorry, I got completely... I'm thinking Montreal, I'm just thinking, like, in that general area, that general neighborhood. There's only the two studios in that town. It's the same thing. It's all poutine. <laughs> it's all... <laughs> you can't... I, wait a second. Is this just, like, Toronto shade throwing at Montreal? Is that is that? No, to be honest happened? with you, I've never heard much in the way of Montreal hate, except when it comes to the Habs. <laughs> so... Uh, the what? Uh, the Montreal Canadiens. Um, Hockey. Oh, I see. Now, Which? now I'm wading into into Canada territory that I'm not familiar with. <laughs> waiting in. Put on your galoshes. You're waiting into Canada territory. I'm just getting into Can- Canada territory. Yeah, the Eidos Montreal thing is interesting to see them because they've worked on Tomb Raider before. They worked on right. the multiplayer stuff, uh, but to see. You know, they, they have all of these in house writers and all of these in house. Uh, you know, specialists who, who've just done nothing but work on role-playing games right. since 2009 mm-hmm. at this point, and, and to just sort of reduce them to a, a shooty-shooty-bang-bang studio. I, yeah. I, I sound like I'm being dismissive of the new Tomb Raider games. It's well, because I am. That's because well, you are, John. I mean... <laughs> I still I still think of you as Constantine, just by the way. I, so. yeah, I, I that's another thing that people should should realize. If you read any stories by John Constantine in the long long ago, that's also me. Yeah, I'm just yeah. not going to contextualize that at all at, for anyone. That's just a fact that we can throw into the middle of the show. But now that I'm sobered up, um, I still can't say if I, I really have. I, I've never really gave it a really good thought. I mean, you've you've kind of put something into my mind here. Um, mm. Yeah. Huh. Uh, I, I still don't think it's going to take them nearly as long to get through Tomb Raider as it would, like, you know, yeah. an RPG. But uh, I guess they're giving it a break. Yeah, yeah. And and Square, you know, after the announcement, Square Enix said, well, Deus Ex is still a priority for us. Of and course. we're, we're going to have conversations and be like, you say that about everything, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Capcom Enix. said Mega Man's still a priority back when they canceled Legends 3, like, what was it, 10 years ago? Oh, God. And finally, uh, 10 years later, hey, we're getting Mega Man 11. So <laughs> there we are. I, I, somebody, I, I, I really, now that the legacy collections keep happening for Mega Man, I'm like, please give us Legends Legacy Collection. Oh, that's You'll great. get all the money for Legends Legacy Collection. Just do it. That's give such, give the people Tron Bon. It was Those such are, a great game. So yeah. ridiculous. Do, do, do people realize that? 
Mega Man Legends 1 and 2 are action RPGs. I feel like people don't always have the best grasp on what those games actually were. I feel like we should have a really good conversation about this sometime, but you're right. They were they were very, very different from Mega Man games at the time, and you're right, they are action RPGs. Um, really interesting action RPGs, especially Legends 2. I still think Legends 2 is just a, 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 super, a super game, the way it's built and the way the story's told and everything. Uh, unfortunately, well, T- they, they wouldn't be able to bring back Teasel Bond, but uh, if they did have Legends 3... Oh, that's, I just, re- I, as you said that, I realized Teasel Bond is, he yeah. is now in prison. He is in the jail. <laughs> he is in the jail for and doing doing he, bad things. He was actually not just Teasel Bond to me. He was also a Canadian icon. He was the Alexander Keats, Alexander Keats, uh, Indian Pale L guy. He was a, <laughs> he was on the commercials. He was this angry Scotsman who screamed in his Teasel voice about in, uh, Alexander Keats, India Pale L, which is a shitty beer. But it was good. They were good commercials. But it was good commercial. Yeah. <laughs> no. Teasel. You lived down the street from me. <laughs> uh, well, maybe they can. Maybe they can just release it with all the Japanese voices, and that'll be that'll be the solution. Well, they they'd probably leave in the voices, but I figure if they ever want to have a Legends three with a Teasel in it, uh, gonna have to find another screamy <laughs> beer guy. Sorry. They'll have they'll have the uh, Teasel had to leave to save his home planet, and he died. <laughs> I have to go. And to my planet home. needs me. <laughs> yeah. But he just vanishes. And it's just Tron. It's only Tron the entire time. Well, you you only need Tron. Yeah. But what else? What else do you need in that series but the misadventures of Tron Bun? A perfect game in every way. There was, uh, gosh, I remember playing it with my husband before he was my husband, and we bought it when we were in North Carolina and played it. And, of course, the clerk looked at us like, what the hell is this? (laughs) She thought it was some sort of, like, game for preschoolers or something. Uh... But just the way we laughed at the the mission with the 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 robbery mission with the oh, policewoman and so Denise, great. <laughs> it was great. I love her too. She's just such a great character. She's like, oh, your mommy wake you up? Forget to wake you up today? What? How did you know? I mean, no. <laughs> so speaking of beloved characters, the last little piece of news from this week is uh, there the the latest update for Xenoblade Chronicles Two is upon us. Oh. And it, it doesn't do that much. They just added in more rare blades, this time Evil Cosmos. Oh, uh, do they really? They added Evil Cosmos, who I, I'm sure somebody listening is like, her name is Tillos. Tillos, <laughs> say it right, guy. And I'm, no, she's just Evil Cosmos. I know how this works. Um, Nadia, is there anything that they can do to get you back in there? Because I feel like... Since I finished Xenoblade mm-hmm. Chronicles 2, the last time I was on the show, we talked about how we both just love this game so much because it's so wonderful. Right. But I am done. When yeah. they're like, we've updated, there are new blades. I'm like, okay, cool, man. Well, Whatever. it's just the way, I, I honestly don't have a problem with that. I mean, I'd like to go back to it. I'd like to play, but it's a matter of, oh, well, I have other games that take priority. That's, that's sure. one thing. I'm sure you do as well. And um, gosh, I clocked in 200 hours with that game. What more can you say? I love Persona persona 5 but after 130 hours i was like yeah that was great i'm done uh if they ever come out with another release for the switch like you know persona 5 uh, the crimson or whatever they want to call it sure i'll go in back in but for now there comes a it comes a time where you got to say goodbye not even no there's there's already a name for the persona 5 golden edition it's persona 5 this time the cat's a boat <laughs> <laughs> 
it's the big that's that's it they turn they turn the su- the evil subway system into a series of canals oh and then more... i was gonna say why not make it like a, an aqua boat like a sorry like a, one of those aqua cars from the 70s that kind of do yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's Break what down in the middle of the water. Everyone drowns. Okay, Joker, let's get in the river. <laughs> Do all this really terrible new voice. I dare you to drink the water. I need, I need like way more time before the Persona Five Golden comes out. It was, I think it was uh, a good four, four or five years between Persona Four coming out on PlayStation Two and then Persona Four Golden hitting Vita. And that's how long I needed to reapproach yeah, that game. I think I needed, so. I, I needed to settle uh, before before I decide to go back in there because unless they announce like it's Persona Five Crimson and we just cut out the last two dungeons entirely, they're gone. <laughs> I'm trying. To, I, are you talking about the boat? I, I kind of like yes, the boat. Yes, shit I talking like, in the background. I like half of the boat. Mm, it does get long. I like half. If the boat was half as long. And then the uh, spoilers for Persona Five, everybody. We're just going to talk about the. uh, There's a statute of limitation on spoilers. That game came out a freaking year ago, everybody. If you haven't gotten to the end yet, that's that's on you. Uh, But yeah, the the journey into the psychological underbelly of society that Mm. is the final dungeon and the boat. If those were just, just cut them in half. Just, yeah, just, I think the one thing that dragged down the Final Dungeon 2 was the battles with the Archangels, just one after another after another. That was a pain in the ass. Yep, I, I, I'll i be perfectly honest with you, Nadia. The only thing that got me through those Archangel battles was switching the game to very easy and yeah. whiskey. Uh, yeah. If it wasn't for a difficulty slider and booze, there was no getting through. <laughs> I can't forget the booze. Yeah, the booze, the booze was essential to that entire thing. Uh, you are in the middle of one of the most weirdly paced RPGs, I think, that mm-hmm. has ever been made, which is also an Atlas joint. I think we're revealing a pattern with Atlas games and their weird pacing. How is, uh, is Radiant Historia going? Uh, I think it's going really well. I think I'm going I'm towards the end. Uh, I just beat up, uh, what's the name of that asshole with, who's like, a, a, who's like all into Prophet Noah? Um, <laughs> Hugo. I, I just beat him, and I of course there's like you know something beyond Hugo, but um, I'm on the final chapter. Of, I think it's I don't know if it's the alternate history or the standard history, but mm. I am there, so I don't know how far I am in general. It's hard to tell because it's so back and forth. It's a very weird game, and part part of that like weird back and forth, like I was saying, the pacing of Radiant Historia ends up just getting very odd because I love that game. But it does not telegraph what you're supposed to do at all. It, it yeah. feels like a very old-fashioned RPG in that there is a lot of wandering around trying to figure out what you're supposed to do next once you get into the yeah. late game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially, I've, I've gone to message boards more than once uh, looking for questions, and I've actually been like, okay, I have what I need for this quest. Which node do I go back to so I can give it to the, the, the jerk who asked for it? Right. Yeah. Are you are you playing the expanded story in the, the remake? Because the, the remake gives you a couple of options. You can either play yeah. the straight story or you can play it with all this added stuff. You're playing the added stuff version? I think so. I'm, I Basically, it tells you when you start a game, hey, if you're new, start here. And that's the right. one I started with. Yeah. I, I that's, that's one... Well, I don't want to spoil anything. I will say that the ending, if you do, if you go the distance and do the 
I completed every single node mm-hmm. and completed the timelines, and then you do the final battle to get the... It's one of those true ending experiences. I, I thought I was frustrated, mm-hmm. but it was very worth it. I, right. I was I was wor- I was glad that I had put in the effort to go that distance with with Radiant Historia. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably be making sure I finish everything before I uh, before I finally just hit the switch. Yeah, um, is that is that a game that you want to see that team revisit? Do you feel yourself playing it and thinking this could use a sequel? That's just, that's an interesting question because it's such a gosh, it's such a unique experience on its own. I feel like doing it again, like, hey, we're going, hey, everyone, we're going through the White Chronicle again. That would be right. weird. Right, yeah. <laughs> It'd be very, it would be very strange. Radio yeah. Historia feels, it, it, it has that sort of Chrono Trigger air to it, mm-hmm. where if you were ever going to follow it up and say, yeah, we're going to sort of revisit some of the themes from this, you would have to do an entirely different cast, an entirely right. different setting, and, like, maybe stock appears yeah, in, you know, in the background in some way, but not <laughs> like, these characters. Hey guys, how you doing? He's just he's married and has like he's got kids and he he and he and what's her face are just they're they're fine. They're, I was gonna they're... say him and Rosh got together, right? Him and Rosh, yes. Because <laughs> I mean, come on here. They got three dogs. They have a beachside home. They're, 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 it's it all so works happy. out. Uh, so <laughs> I know on the last episode of Acts of the Blood God. That you guys were like, we're putting it to bed. We're never talking about cosmic star heroin ever again. <laughs> Wrong, <laughs> suckers! Because the the role playing game that I've been playing last week is cosmic star heroin, and I just started it. Oh, that's and I want I wanted I, I I promised myself long before this game finally came out, like all of these things, I promised myself I would wait for the Vita version. I yes. was like, that looks like a game that deserves this home. Yeah. It needs, it needs to have a Vita version, and that's that's where I'm going to play it. Right. So I, fi- I finally, uh, here in the land of 2018, finally got that. And I am super early. I've only mm-hmm. played about two hours. Uh, so I've gotten, I've gotten just past where you rebel. Yes. And, and steal back things from the bad guys. And you finally have four characters in your party. Yeah. And I will say, like, I, I, I'm not going to just, like, force everybody to listen to us describe the battle system in this thing again. I, I mm-hmm. feel like it's well covered on this show. Uh, I will say the Vita version is great. Right. It it doesn't load quite as fast as the PlayStation 4 version. Probably There's not. a little little bit of a hang between screens, but the work that Z-Boyd did to make this thing good mm-hmm. shines through. It's a great version of the game. If you've been holding off on it, highly recommend it. It's a wonderful thing to put in your Vita to remind the Vita that it is the best handheld ever made. Um, yeah, it's, it's a delight. Uh, I will say I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying how simple it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm also playing it on easy. Because listening to you talk about struggling with sort of the the punishing fights, I was yeah. just like, I'm not, I'm not here for that. I'm just here yeah. to look at it, be pretty, and have fun with the story. Yeah, I don't know how punishing the fights are, like in terms of easy versus normal. My main problem was they just become huge damage sponges, and maybe that changes when you when you switch to uh, easy. I can't be sure, but I yeah, like I said on the podcast, um, I still think it's an easy recommendation, especially for, as you say, the Vita. Uh, and yeah. when it comes out to the Switch at some point, which they're, they're planning in the future at some point, by all means, that 
Yeah, I would, I, I would think I would have been able to tolerate that last-minute grind um, if I was playing on a handheld, like, mm. on not on the, you know, on the TV, which everyone's like, hey, I want to watch WWE, get the hell off, you know? <laughs> just kind of going at my own pace. Here's, here's what's cool about playing it on easy, is that you still feel like you're in peril of dying any mm. second, mm-hmm. which I, I love playing... Like, when role-playing games present to me the option to play on easy... I always like to check it out yeah. because I, I find that the best easy setting in an RPG, Persona 5 does this really, really well, is it doesn't make it all a cakewalk where you mm-hmm. just sit there and spam attack and get through. Like You still need to know how to use buffs and all those sorts of things. What it does is it just makes the fights shorter. Right, right. And Cosmic Star Heroine does that really, really, really well. Like I, I would say when you fight one of the early bosses it's usually just three or four cycles. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. You, like, I've died. Like, I've been killed by the bosses, even on easy, because I get too aggressive. And, right. you know, I just say, like, oh, well, I'm not going to refresh my skills. I'm just nope. going to push through and try to <laughs> slam this guy. And, and the game's can't like, no, you can't. No, you can't do it. Sorry. Ch- Denied. Ch- cheese ball. You're not allowed yeah. to cheese this. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I, I I'm 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 glad I'm finally playing it. It seems it seems really really cool. Yeah, and it is definitely worth the price, and it's also uh, in this day of like sixty billion hour games, you should be done within like you know twelve thirteen hours easy. Why aren't more RPGs fifteen hours long? Like what? There's nothing yeah. wrong with a fifteen hour RPG. So the one other thing that I've played in the past week. Which is, because it's turning 20 years old this year, I have decided that it's finally time for me to replay Xenogears. I'm going to do oh, it. Oh, wow. I'm going all the way back. <laughs> I gotta play and that shit. My, my, my memory of Xenogears is so hazy at this point. Like, I remember the big moments, mm-hmm. and I, I remember the soundtrack, but I don't remember what it was like right. to actually play that game. And when I started it... I realized that my memory of the beginning of that game is the freaking demo that came with Parasite (laughs) Eve, not the actual experience of playing Xenogears. So Xenogears, like, oh my god, this is why nobody plays that game. It opens, Mm. you have to watch a, a, like, ten minute long anime cinema that has nothing to do with anything for 50 hours and then you have to sit through narration, just blank text on a screen. <laughs> Get used to that. Get used to that. Like, <laughs> I know. But, like, I didn't remember it at the beginning. I only remember, like, the disc two nonsense. Yeah, but yeah. I, 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 I realized that we all lionize the sort of 32-bit era of, of RPGs. Oh, God, yes. We love them. They're wonderful. But holy shit, they killed the 15-hour RPG. Did they, they ever? It. And, I mean, I think one of the reasons we lionized it also is because... something I, I don't know if you wrote my... Uh, sorry, if you read my article recently about Final Fantasy VI and how it was kind of an, an adult RPG. Yes. Uh, more so than Final Fantasy VII, which is the game that people at the time were like, hey, look how adult this RPG is. And it was... <laughs> I love Final Fantasy VII, but it's so bloated. Do you mean and the teen angst? The teen angst the teen RPG? angst and just the how you know, the, the, the swear words, which are like not at all interesting or, or whatever, were so different and cool back then. And, and, and going back to Xenoblade or, or Xenogears rather having a, a, such a deep quote unquote plot about killing God was like, Oh my God, I've never seen anything like this. Meanwhile, Japan was, had been doing this for 30 years already. Yeah. 
Every story. Every uh, well, that's uh, every single the, the 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 richest blend of spices in Japanese mm-hmm. fiction from like 1960 on is like, all right, what do you got for me? I got you a faded teenager. He's gonna save the world. He's the only one who can turn into this shining thing, pilot this shining thing. <laughs> and then he's gonna, he doesn't want to do it. That's, that's the conflict. He doesn't want to do the thing, but then he decides to do it. Once he decides to do it, he kills God. That's yeah. the way it's gonna go. <laughs> he finally gets around to it. He kills God. Yeah. Even Final Fantasy VII, Final Fantasy VII is a killing God game. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So, right? so was Breath of Fire 2 at the time, which was the oh, first yeah. one that I played. And three, the yeah, Breath three, of Fire. Yeah, yeah the, okay, come on, RPGs from the 32-bit era, please. Uh, you've also been playing in a. It, it's technically an action RPG, another mm-hmm. Atlas joint right now, uh, and I, I love this game so much, and I want to hear about the new version. It's Dragon's Crown Pro. Yes, it is. No, this is my first time playing it, so I can't compare it. But I think Cat actually wrote a comparison of the two. Uh, from what I understand, it's not like a huge, huge upgrade the way that Odin Sphere is, but yeah. it is still fantastic. I mean, the game was fantastic on the PS3, so uh, I love George George Kamatami's artwork. Like, oh yeah, it's just I know it's ridiculous, but just like I said on Twitter the other day, he can draw all the stupid witch titties he wants as long as he never stops drawing dragons. Because just holy shit, everything else. It's like, you, you can't even criticize this guy being, oh, you know, not talented or whatever, just like, you know, a juvenile 14-year-old, which unfortunately happened back in the day. Because uh, if you line up a silhouette of all his characters, you're going to get such a different range of, mm. of, of body types. Like, you know, I'm playing as the elf who's a perfectly well-designed elf. Like, she's just like this petite little forest sprite. Uh, and you have, like, you know, the, the warrior who's a big hulking guy, but you still have the mage who's like, literally Raceland from Dragonlance. Yes. Yes, he is. <laughs> and I'm like, I am here for anime Dragonlance. I am always there for Dragonlance of any kind. So, yeah, I am I am just, like, really... I think I like Autumn Spirits a touch better because I like the story, but mm. I do like how uh, Dragon's Crown is basically, hey, let's play D&D, but, like, you know, just... But we punch stuff. We punch stuff because it's basically Shadows of... Uh, what's it called? Shadow over Mis- Mystera? Sh- yeah, Shadow over Which is one Shadow of my favorite games Mystera. ever. The best. Oh, so God, is that it's basically, just... but with RPG elements and longer. I'm, so I'm how, down. How far in are you? Because the structure of Dragon's Crown is very strange. You have to play through the entire story. Like yes. the, the, the You have to play through the entire story, get to the final boss, beat the final boss, and only once you've done that does the game allow you to play online. So have you, have you gone the full distance? Uh, I have beaten uh, the as you say, the first kind of... They, what they do, I think, is they, they make you try out each level. Yeah. And then when you do that, they're like, okay, you can go online now. And, by the way, uh, if you go through the magic gate, you're going to go wherever the fuck we send you. <laughs> so, right. have yeah. fun with that. Um, so, I, I'm there. I'm basically collecting the talismans. Cool. I Oh, man. I love... So, the way I've always described Dragon's Crown is that it's my favorite game about gluttony ever made. Oh, the food. And, well, it's not just the food, it's it's everything, because, like, George Kamatani's games, they, they usually are a little bit, like, he, he has that, that sort of hulking art style that you were talking about. When you line up all of the characters from Odin Sphere, they're so distinctive from mm-hmm. one another, but they're not quite as exaggerated as the characters in Dragon's Crown. And right. 
everything is exaggerated. Uh, it like it's not just titty witch. It's yeah. it's melting, disgusting Henry the Eighth king. It's yes. it's 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 bloated, like bloated, sallow skinned priest. It's it's the giant haunches of meat and fish and, mm -hmm. and pumpkins that you have to cook between stages and and fountains, literal fountains of gold. It, it, if you've yes. ever played this game, you, you have to, at various points, you have control of like a little cursor mm -hmm. in addition to your, your, your character, and you can tap on little parts of the environment to reveal secret exits or, yeah. or treasure. And when you find treasure, a geyser of jewels and yes. gold and weapons <laughs> and everything just pours out. And I love that George Kamatati's approach to this entire game is just abundance, abundance. gorge, gorge on all of the things forever. You're absolutely and I, right. I, I love it. I love yeah, it. and I, I love how, uh, what's his name? Ranny, Ranny the Rogue. It's just like this, just a total canary in the coal mine. Like, <sighs> just the other day, I had him spring a trap for the first time, and it was, sorry, I had him open up a treasure chest for the first time, and it was a trap. And I'd never experienced that before. And it was hilarious because you, you're used to him saying like these little things that he does his work. And then like, he's like, oh, I've got it. And he's like, oh, crap. And you're like, why, why do you say that? And all of a sudden there's spikes everywhere. You're just on fire, which you're oh, not I'm on prepared fire. for. And he runs. He's just like gone. Yeah. Are you, are you playing? Like, do you have the full setup for this? Do you have like the 4K TV and all that? No, I wish I did. No, no. no I yeah. got my old plain old. PS4, and I, I still have the old HD TVs going on yeah. here. I'm sure it looks amazing anyway. Uh, like, according I'm sure to Cat, it looks, it looks incredible on 4K. I can imagine it looks banana pants. Yeah. Uh, if anybody's listening to this, let me tell you where you play that game. You get out your little PS Vita. You get your launch <laughs> PS Vita with its with its dul dulcet OLED screen, and you, you, you play it that way. Um you don't have to play it that way. No, did probably... it like slow the hell down the way that the original Odin Sphere did? No, the 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 PlayStation Vita version of Dragon's Crown is great. It mm -hmm. is an excellent, excellent version of that game, and I feel like it's excellent because they developed it with you know they developed it in the first place for that system. Right. So you know it was built from the ground up to work well there, as opposed to Odin Sphere, which you know Odin Sphere Leaf Blower. Which I'm pretty sure is how you pronounce Leaf that version. <laughs> I'm like, what the uh, hell are you talking about? Oh, okay. <laughs> that's how you say it. Left for zero or something like that. Uh, yeah, Odin's your leaf blower. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty. I'm, I like. I know that that game, I, like, it's still based on the PlayStation Two version. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a conversion. It's not like a from the ground up remake. And that game ran. It, it chugged back in the day. I don't know yeah. if you've ever played the PlayStation 2 version. But no, but I've it. heard. It's it's something. The, mm -hmm. You get, like, I think it goes down to, like, a frame per second. Wow, yeah. Like, one of my friends told me the battle against Odette was just impossible. It's, it is. That's another one where you've got to kick it down to easy if you're yeah. ever going to get through. Because Odin's Fear is such a long game mm -hmm. to play through every one of the stories. And those boss fights just drag on and on and on and on in the original version. What a, yeah, they that were. remake is so good. That yeah, the remake is, just, is great. I had a great time with the remake. Ah, oh, remarkable thing. Um, so yeah, Vanillaware. Vanillaware, I, I think, actually ties really well into uh, sort of our big topic 
mm-hmm. for this this episode of Acts of the Blood God. Uh, because I, I I sort of tossed this idea to Nadia earlier this week. Uh, this past Monday, April 30th, 2018, marked the 20th anniversary of the release of Panzer Dragoon Saga. Yes. Uh, which is probably the most respected and and lauded role-playing game that nobody has ever played. Pretty much. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Nobody, especially in Europe, where they've released a hunt, like a thousand copies. A thousand copies? Stupid. Yeah. I, and I, the, the estimation for the United States is it's only between something like, like 15 and 25,000 copies. Yeah. It's, it's scarce. Did you ever play Panzer Dragon? No, Saga? it's my, probably my number one, I want to play this game. I'd love to see it remake, but neither is happening anytime yeah. soon. And like, this is, it's unfortunate that, that this is the case with Panzer Dragoon Saga. Like, I'm very lucky. I've gotten to play this game. I got, oh, wow. I got, I got a copy a long time ago. Mm, good uh, job. I, I got my copy along with my Saturn for a, a cool $99 Holy back shit. in 2004. Right? Score. $99 for a Sega Saturn and a sh- book of games that wow. included Panzer Dragoon Saga, Burning Rangers, Ooh. just just all of the good stuff. Um, and I, I, I played it and I adored it. It's, mm. it, is, it is so deserving of its reputation. Uh, but that entire console, the, the Sega Saturn itself is just littered with RPGs that most people never got to play. That's uh, right. The very first Vanillaware game ever made, Princess Crown, is oh, a, a right. Sega Saturn exclusive. And that game is, well, okay, it's not a Sega Saturn exclusive. There's a PSP version oh. that is a miserable port. <laughs> but uh, And unfortunately, that's a game that can never be remade because much like Panzer Dragoon Saga, George Kamatani and Vanillaware don't have any of the source code anymore. Oh, it's wow, just gone. Just, speaking of bad game preservation, that's uh, A1 right there. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just a whole lot of like, oh, we shipped it. What do we do now? I don't know. Put it in the garbage. <laughs> Put everything <laughs> garbage, in the trash. <laughs> just, just, I don't even want to think about it ever again. Let's get rid of it all. Uh, Shining Force 3, scenarios yep. 2 and 3, uh, the Saturn version of Grandia, all of these things are just lost to time on an on a, a system that is notoriously difficult to emulate. Yep. And uh, most of these games are not available with English translations. Like, you can play the PlayStation 1 version of Grandia if you have 50 years to play a single game. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, it's funny that you mentioned, like, you know, going back to our, our topic, is uh, one of the games I've always wanted to try, and I never will, because uh, as far as I know, it never came out anywhere else, was Dragon Force. Oh, Dragon Force is super cool, too! For which a band got its name, I think. Yeah. <laughs> is that is that true? Are they I'm go- directly I'm referencing I'm going to say yes, in? because Dragon Force is nerdy enough to have written a song about Symphony of the Night. Okay, that's definitely a reference it's, to that game. It, it's yeah. literally a song about Alucard confronting his father. Yeah. Look it up. Oh, that's it's amazing. Great. I'm now. That's exactly what I'm doing as soon as the show is over. <laughs> uh... So I'm I'm curious, Nadia, what is your approach when you know that there is an RPG out there? I feel like more than any other genre, RPGs are the ones that get left behind mm-hmm. because they are they are long involved things. And if it's an issue of a game not being translated, 
you know, the incentive for a company to go back and localize something years after the fact is just not necessarily there. It's always going to be a niche audience. And the, the same goes for things on defunct consoles. You know, yes, it would be wonderful if, uh, if, Vanillaware could go back and give us Princess Crown again, but how many copies is that really going to sell? It's just exactly. not it's not realistic. So when these things are lost, how do you approach, you know, try like do you resign yourself to not having the experience? Do you try to track down the legacy hardware? Like what do you do when there's something that you feel is just lost to time but you still want to play it? Uh, I try to, if it's like just no other way to do it, unless I'm spending hundreds of dollars, I honestly try to emulate and I usually fail. Yeah. Because if anything is beyond a 16-bit game that you buy, you download off cool ROMs and maybe right. apply a patch to, <laughs> I'm gone. I am out of, out, of my, out of my element. I remember trying to emulate, gosh, what was it? Uh, Rondo of Blood back in the day when no one had it. And it Ugh. just like, I think I nearly destroyed my computer with like 50 billion viruses. I said, I'm never doing this again. In fact, um, one of the first retrospectives uh, of uh, Dra- Pen's Dragon Saga that was published, um, I can't remember who wrote it, but it was fantastic. Uh, it went up recently, just saying how the person who wrote it, they tried to emulate uh, Pen's Dragon Saga, ended up like blue screening their computer forever. <laughs> so, right, yeah, he was he was on this show, I think. That's uh, right. The, yeah, the, the, the fellow who wrote it for The Ringer. The Ringer, so, that was it. Yeah, I'm so sorry that we're not remembering your name. I'm very uh, sorry. It was a great retrospective. I really yeah, enjoyed it. Killer retrospective. Uh, but I mean, his experience with trying to emulate the Sega Saturn is the same one that I've ever had. Exactly. I, every, every Reddit nerd that's like, oh, bro, it's super easy to emulate things. Like, no, it's no, not. No, it's not. <laughs> it's, no, it's, it's not. not. <laughs> that is why for a while, gosh, like just the, the earliest days of emulation on my like crappy ass Pentium were just so exciting because, wow, I can finally play uh, Seeking Tetsu 3 wow, I can finally play Pant, uh, Bahamut Lagoon. Like, these incredible games that came out with, like, fantastic translations, uh, minus the retranslation, quote-unquote, of Final Fantasy IV, which was ridiculous and bad. Uh, <laughs> that, those were incredible days, but unfortunately, I've never really been able to recreate them with, recreate them with like, the 32-bit and beyond catalog. Yeah, and, like, it's just... There's just no good way to do this. I... Mm-hmm. I I have attempted all of one time in my life going and taking a role-playing game that's in Japanese and trying to play it Forget with it. a printed-out thack nope. and, like, and, and translation of the script. So I tried to do this with Princess Crown. I When I got my Saturn back when, I was like, all right, I finally have my Saturn, and now I'm going to go get all of the things that I wanted a Saturn for. I'm going to get Dungeons and Dragons collection nice. and X-Men versus Street Fighter and Princess Crown and all of these things. And I understand if there are any collectors listening, you're like, oh, what do you have a billion dollars? This was in the long, long ago. Where you could get all <laughs> of these things for 20 bucks. everything just ballooned. You're right. So I, I sat down with Princess Crown and I was like, I'm going to do it. This is going to be awesome. And Princess Crown is it, it very much is Odin Sphere Zero. Right. You know, it, it, the the premise is almost identical. Uh, you you have the same sort of uh, you have the conceit of starting it as a child picking up a book and yes. then reading that book to start the story. And I so I fired up Princess Crown. You you ha- you were this little girl. She picks up a book and starts reading it. And then you start learning the weird sort of combo based battle system from you know as this princess. And I made it through that first scene and into the first proper level 
Right. And that was it. I was like, <laughs> nope. <laughs> not doing it. I'm too much out. text? It, it's, it's not just too much text, but it's... I, this is the problem with role-playing games. When you go back, if you can't understand the language, mm. understanding all of the minute details of the right. systems that make up an RPG becomes incredibly difficult. You know, you in Princess Crown, you have to do some of the same, like, food-raising things that you yes. do in Odin Sphere, and it was just too much. I, right. I just couldn't follow along. So that's one that I had to abandon. Um, that's too bad. But, you know, like, there are, there are others that I, I've i gone to the extent of, I can't get an emulator to work. Mm-hmm. But, you know, now we're at a point in time where it's very easy for people to burn fan translations onto discs if you have old modded hardware. Right, which I don't. So, which, I, 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 that's another <laughs> thing, like, uh, there's just no convenient way to get to these things. No, uh, Exactly. You know, I have I have a modded PS1, and I've gone so far as to burn, have somebody else do it for me, because right. I'm, I'm, I'm like you. I, I, get an ISO and patch it? What? 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 You want me to do weird. what? Is that, a, is that a floppy disk? Are you talking about a floppy? <laughs> <Is that laughs> I got, does it come with four floppy disks, and how do I install all of them? <laughs> <laughs> but there's actually, um, I'm getting a little better at this sort of thing because there's a really good, uh, kind of a used slash retro game store in Toronto called oh. AMC Games. And, uh, they sell a lot of stuff like that, like repro cards and whatnot. That's how my husband got me Terranigma for the oh, SNES. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So I suppose if I have a desire to get these, to play Panzer Dragoon finally and, you know, maybe, uh, pay for a Saturn, maybe I can finally do it. I yep. pay $50 billion. $50 billion. Hey, you know, I don't think that, that would, that wouldn't be like $50 billion. It would still be expensive. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. Terranigma goes on the list of the, ex- the furthest extent I have ever gone mm. to play what I consider to be a lost RPG. And I admit that this was dumb, but back in 2009, uh, I decided that I wanted to play Terranigma, did I, but I did not want to play it on my crap laptop. Right. Because that's all I had. I didn't want to fire up SNES X 9.1 <laughs> and, and play it that X. way. So I, I was like, I'm going to do this. And this was also, again, everybody, a long time ago, so Terranigma cartridges were just rare. They weren't a mm-hmm. billion dollars. So I tracked down an Australian copy of, nice. of this thing. And at the time, this was right when uh, clone Super Famicoms were making it onto the market. Right. And I found a, a, a what was called a retro duo back then. Oh, yeah. I know what that is. And you could put a PAL cart into a retro duo and play it on an SDTV and it'd look really good. Right. Here was the problem, though. Terranigma had one of the last lockout chip models mm. to ever be produced for the SNES. Right. And it didn't matter if you had an NTSC system that would run the thing. The chip was advanced enough that it would be like, nope, you're playing this on the wrong region, so Aww. screw you. So I spent about a year looking for a vinyl model of the Action Replay Pro 3. Wow. That, that only came out in Germany. Uh-huh. And you need to find the version of the Action Replay Pro 3 that had the final BIOS on the cartridge. That could get around the lockout chip. So after a year, I finally tracked that down, 
had that thing and the stupid clone Super Famicom. And the way this the way the old action replay works is you it wasn't just like a game genie where you plugged it in on the top. Right. You had to plug in a local cartridge into right. the back of it to trick the machine and to think you're playing something from the correct region. Yeah. And that's that that's how I ended up going the distance to play Terra Enigma. That's not quite impressive. It. <laughs> not worth it. You're not a fan. Not worth it. No, I I love Terra Enigma. I love Quintet's games. Right. So 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 much. But but that's a like, lot of schlep. You could have just could have just emulated it could have just yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, like, you you can you can go like again you know we we were talking about like that this is really something that applies more to things after the 16-bit era but pretty much any marquee super nes uh rpg that wasn't localized has been fan translated at this point i don't absolutely. think anything remains like any big rpg i don't think no, you know, no, definitely not. Uh, like, they've all been translated. Even like some of the more obscure ones have at least partial translations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You, if you, if you want to play Sailor Moon, another story in English, that is an option for you. Yes, man. <laughs> it absolutely uh, is. You could do it. Uh, not also not worth it. That game is not good. <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit, I did not play. I have not been a. I'm not the biggest Sailor Moon fan ever. So I never played any of her games. Yeah. So okay, you did say that Panzer Dragoon Saga tops your list yes. of of things that are lost to the ages that you desperately wish you could play. What is I would like what's your number two? Uh you know, after hearing Kat talk so much about uh Valkyrie profile, mm. I should probably get around to playing that sometime. Yeah. And uh we I think the game just came out, at least in Japan, on the iPhone, except it's a piece of crap port of the PSP version, which is a piece of crap port to begin with. So, don't do it. No, don't, not, that's doing not the it. way to do it. Don't no. do it. No. Um, yeah, my my big one is it, it, it only kind of counts. Uh, no, it definitely counts uh, because it's it's it, it's it is an action RPG. But as far as I know, there is no fan translation of this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but from that glorious 32 bit period when Square just lost their minds and attempted oh, yeah. to do every genre on earth they made a racing game rpg oh called ra- called racing lagoon <laughs> i love and it racing lagoon is by the guy who directed bahamut lagoon that is there is series uh continuity there uh and it is the most late 90s thing you have ever seen in your life i believe it this the cg is just gorgeous and the way, like, you level up. Like, there's there's a town, mm-hmm. and you have, like, an overworld map, and you select your races, and you upgrade your character, and you go through the story, and it's apparently a hot pile of garbage. Like, there's <laughs> a very good reason this was never localized. It's apparently just abysmal. Um, yeah, and this was back when Square Enix was localizing everything, so it must have been bad. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm thinking in my head, like Bahamut Lagoon, but with cars. So like literal cars, like as in the Disney franchise, the Pixar franchise, like <laughs> like what? McQueen and and, and Mater taking on a, a whatever the hell, like a beating up a big ass tow truck. I don't know what the hell cars are like. With so. dragon wings. With dragon, with dragon wings. wings. That's actually funny because uh, when I went to Square Enix in February to look at Dragon Quest Eleven, my husband said to me. Ask them about Rad Racer. Ask them if there's going to be another Rad Racer. Yeah. <laughs> so hey I'm guys, like, there, there's your Rad Racer. 
When am I going to get a sequel to Cruise Chaser Blasty, Square Enix? When is that happening? Come on. What the hell Are is you? that? Cruise Chaser Blasty is the seventh game Square Soft ever made. Wow. It's PC only mech game. Uh, and the only reason that I know it exists at all is that it's the first game Nobuo Uematsu ever worked on. Really? Yeah, he, he and the Gooch uh, were just college Gooch. buddies. <laughs> and uh, so when while the Gooch was getting, uh, you know, when he was working at Square and he was still in school and they were renting the back of a, a hair salon nice. to make their games in, they, they wanted some more music. And he knew that Uematsu, you know, was just out of school and kind of didn't have much work. He was like, yeah, man, come, come bring your, your nerdy prog rock over here and make some video games with us. God, he's and so prog rock. So prog. Just the most Emerson, Lake, and Palmer obsessed person you could ever meet. Uh, and so they, his first game he ever worked on is this mech RPG, this mech strategy RPG called Cruise Chaser Blasty mm-hmm. for the, uh, P, the, PC-88. Wow. Something. And I know that this exists because they were... Like, Squaresoft was, like, obsessed with, like, really cool packages for their early PC games. Right. And this has what's called a flexi-disc in it. And a flexi-disc is a seven-inch record, like a vinyl record, but it's just... It's made of, like, thin (laughs) plastic, so it flops around. And so the first video game music Nobuo Uematsu ever wrote is on this crappy little record in this wow. cool old box. Uh, That's amazing. Yeah, it's awesome. It is super cool. That music's so much fun. Uh, and not on the internet, which is the weirdest thing oh. in the world. There's, there's music that you can't find on the internet. You can find the rips of the game music as, right. it, as it sounds on the PC-88, but what is on the flexi disc is what he made on his actual crappy '80s synthesizer. Wow! Someone's got to check Napster. This got this got. <laughs> Yo, can you all go on Kazaa and upload these tracks? <laughs> for try us? LimeWire. Can you, can you guys get on there? Just post the link on your MySpace page for me and Nadia to find it. <laughs> That's how we'll find it. Uh, yeah, so I, I think that that brings us to the end of this episode of Acts of the Blood God, everybody. Cat uh, yeah, won't be fun. back for a couple of weeks, so you're going to have to endure me for at least another episode of this show. Uh, Nadia, I don't know how you guys typically end the show. If you do call-outs to everything, I will say that you can follow uh, US Gamer at on Twitter at USGamerNet. Yes. That's the handle. Uh, Nadia is the one who runs those wheels of steel. Actually, and, no, I don't. Oh, um, you don't? No, I don't. I, I run the Facebook, but I think run Katie the and Mike run those. See, I'm, um, this is, this is, this is what I get for being an outsider. Uh, <laughs> an interloper <laughs> in the things. Uh, Nadia, where, where can people follow you personally hey. on, on the, on the internet? Well, I am on usgamernet, uh, dot net a lot, as you might imagine, and I am on Twitter at Nadia Oxford, and if you want to, uh, talk to us about RPGs and stuff, uh, well, usually you email Kat, but she's out, so, <laughs> you, you can send us, um, you can send us Twitter stuff at, at Nadia Oxford, uh, you can send Kat something, uh, at, uh, Kat, uh, what the hell is her Twitter name? <laughs> it's at Catbot. 
The cat bot. Yes. At K A T B O T. You can also, uh, you anybody wants to hear anything on the next episode of this show, you can feel free to DM me yes. on Twitter. I'm at a John Agnello. You can actually also find some really old features of mine on usgamer.net. If you want to read about game oh, preservation, right. uh, you can you can read some old features of mine on US Gamer. Uh, you can find me every single day at venturebeat.com. I just did some fun interviews with uh, the producer of Dragon Quest XI and, oh, and Yoko Taro. Yoko Taro and I talked a lot about how he cries when he drinks. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, a real, that's a real thing. Every every week I find myself saying that's the most Yoko Taro thing ever and it keeps like transcending the last one. <laughs> yeah. I, there will never there will never be peak Yoko Taro. It there, just there, won't it ever just happen. It just keeps on going. Uh, you can also, if you did not get enough of me on this podcast, you can also check me out on the podcast Continue, the Continue podcast that I host with Susan Arndt and David Roberts. Oh, cool. Yes, um, do that. Yeah. All right, everybody. We'll see you in a week. Bye. Yeah. Bye.